0: Welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry. It is written that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. We invite you to study the Scriptures with us to learn about the words of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our pastor is Mr. Jeremy Visser from Brooks, Georgia. You can contact us with your questions and comments at CovenantPeople'sMinistry.com or simply write to Covenant People's Ministry, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia, 30205. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. We would like to hear from you, and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ that His will will continue to reign upon us all. Once again, welcome to the Covenant People's Ministry, and here's Pastor Visser with our next Bible study.
1: Good evening, dear listener. Thank you for joining me once again for a Covenant People's Broadcast every Wednesday evening at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and also every Sunday morning around 10 or 11 Eastern Standard Time in the a.m., releasing brand new studies. Dear friends, we're going to take a closer look at a prophecy found in Jeremiah. Indeed, many of you are familiar with the Old Testament prophets because Jesus Christ taught them adamantly. As we've covered in our last few sermons, Jesus Christ, time and time again, when He was being tempted or was being set up by the Pharisees, would say, What is written? Or He would go back to the Word of God. On our last particular study, we looked deeper into the Gospel of the birth of Mary. And when the Virgin Mary refused to leave the temple, and the high priest was brought into a controversy... The first thing he did was assemble the elders of Israel. And the elders said, let's petition Yahweh God. Let's see what he has to say. And in that particular narrative, Gospel of the Birth of Mary, chapter 5, the high priest enters into the holiest of holies. And the answer from Yahweh God is, what does Isaiah say? What we as Christian identists need to understand is that the word of God is his will. It's his testament. It's what he wants for you. And many of my listeners are well familiar with that, but what we're going to be covering this evening, dear friends, in the book of Jeremiah, covers many of our own people, our own kinsfolk, who do not, they do not understand that it is Yahweh God who says something and He means it when He says it. When He says, I will bless you for obeying, the only way to obtain those blessings is to do exactly what He says as it's outlined within His Word. And on the same token, there are many times where Yahweh God will say, if you disobey, well, I myself will be an adversary to you. I will send plagues, pestilence, etc. So this morning, dear friends, we're going to cover Jeremiah chapter 8, beginning in verse 4. Verse 4 of Jeremiah chapter 8 says this, Moreover, thou shalt say unto them, Thus saith Yahweh, shall they fall and not arise? Shall he turn away and not return? Now what we're dealing with here are many of the quote-unquote inhabitants of Jerusalem. And while your average Judeo-Christian will come along most likely about this point in today's lecture and say, you know what, what do I care about Jerusalem? I live in Boston, I live in Los Angeles, I even live in Germany or Australia. But as me and many other pastors who teach what I do have pointed out, that Jerusalem, sandwiched right in the middle there, is USA. Now that's not to say specifically that the United States of America is the quote-unquote New Jerusalem, but it is most assuredly part of it. How can I say that? Well, the New Jerusalem deals with the epicenter, if you will. ...of the Israelite people. It's where God's quote-unquote chosen people will be found. And more specifically, their government. Albeit man-made, it will be where the New Jerusalem is. So, irregardless of where you believe the New Jerusalem is, this prophecy is still applicable today. Next verse, that is verse 5 of Jeremiah chapter 8. Why then is this people... Of Jerusalem, slidden back by a perpetual backsliding. They hold fast deceit. They refuse to return. Now this is Yahweh God speaking, and He's talking about Israelites. Whether you want to differentiate them and say, hey, these are Judeans or not, well, Judah was a tribe of Israel. So even though they were split historically, when there is a prophecy concerning Judah and or Israel, It most oftenly pertains to both camps. Unless, that is, it is a specific prophecy condemning Judah or Israel. But nonetheless, what we're learning here in the 5th verse of Jeremiah chapter 8 is that the Israelite people are slidden back by a perpetual backsliding. Perpetual, meaning eternal. This is what they've done since the very beginning. Since the Garden of Eden even. How can I say that? Well, Yahweh God came along and he charged Adam. He said, you can have the entire world, for lack of a better term, save this one tree. You can't touch this one proverbial tree, but you can have the entire world. And the way of man, or Adam kind, is to seek out those things that are forbidden. Adam wasn't content with that, per se. We could say, well, Eve wasn't and by extension, sin was laid to Adam's head, because he allowed his wife to, quote-unquote, backslide, to not hearken and or live, as per every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. This is the history of the Israelites in a nutshell, if you will, because even though Yahweh God, through His grace, through His love, freed us from bondage, In the land of Egypt, there were many of our own people who said, you know what, I'd rather go back. I'd rather work under Pharaoh, because after all, I had a mud hut to live in. After all, I had a job. What we see is that there really truly is no new thing under the sun. The reality of it is, is these defining marks that define Israel, stiff-necked, rebellious, perpetual darkness is what they prefer to walk in, Is what defines us as who we are. This is how we know we are Israelites. Because we see it in today's society. Your average Israelite does not even care about the birthright. They're not like Jacob contending for it. Rather, they're like Esau sitting back and despising it. Or caring very little for it. Most of your Judeo-Christians say, Hey, you know what? The Old Testament is the history of the Jews. Why should I care what's being taught here? Why should I care what's being said? Well, I can answer that for you this evening. You should care because of the cause and effect of what comes with Yahweh's charge. If we don't obey Him, then we nationally will be cursed. And that's exactly where we are today. As a whole, we've turned our back on even the Christendom of this country. How can I say that? 200 years ago, all the churches were segregated here in America. 50 years ago, they were segregated here in the South, yet not so today. In fact, many of our own people follow a new form of Christ, and instead of Christ, it's an interpretation or an interpolation of who Jesus Christ is. Yet, ironically, he's not found anywhere within Scripture. That is, the God that the Judeo-Christians follow, they bow to and worship. They'll say, well, God is a Jew, as if God whose spirit has any form of race at all. But they're so assured, when they condemn and attack Christian identity, they can make that claim. They can say, hey, Christian identists want to be Jews, don't they? No. Christian identity proves and holds that the Israelites of the Bible... And all of these traits and prophecies that are given to define them can only be fulfilled by the white Anglo-Saxon, Scandinavian, and Germanic kindred people. So why then is Israel slidden back by a perpetual backsliding? Why do our own people hold fast deceit and refuse to return? They refuse to return to the Word of God. This book that we study two, three times a week, tells us the answers to our national woes. It tells us how we can get out of wars. It tells us how we should govern as a country. And if we do it the way God says, well, just like 200 years ago, we can be blessed within this country, but not so in this latter era, 2013. Our average brothers and sisters out there are more concerned with what's on American Idol, They tune in religiously to watch Dancing with the Stars or whatever it is. They love television. And as a result, television becomes their reality because they accept what's taught on television as truth. We see this even within public schools, dear friends, because oftentimes we'll send our own daughters and sons to public schools and they're taught Schindler's List. They're taught Anne Frank. And her diary, which was written in ballpoint pen, I might add, ten years before it was invented. But what it is, is fiction. This is a form, if you will, of perpetual backsliding, of deceit. And we should not be surprised at this aspect, because the whole of Scripture confirms that God created the light, but mankind prefers darkness. That God raises up His own prophets, but... Mankind will erect their own, who will tickle their ears. So we should not make the mistake of ancient Israel, dear friends. We should not hold fast to deceit, but rather go only after truth. Continuing on in Jeremiah chapter 8, verse 6. I hearkened and heard, but they spake not aright. Stopping right there. Oh wait, God, here's your petitions. Do you think for a moment, like the Judeo-Christians do, that Yahweh God sits in some place in heaven out there in the sky is floating on a cloud and concerns Himself very little with the children of Israel? Or do you believe the Word of God who says that He knows every hair upon the head of His children? That He knows every single one of them? Who? The Israelites. So much so that they're just like the sand on the seashore. Can man count? every grain of sand on the seashore, or even beneath the ocean's surface? No, indeed, they cannot. But Yahweh God can. And time and time again, Yahweh God makes this promise. He says, If my people, which are called by my name, will repent and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. Then I will hear their land. What Yahweh God is saying is He always hears. But we must do what He asks us before He does anything for us. Dear friends, and this is what you're going to find this Wednesday evening as we continue covering. Yea, we God hearkened and He heard, but they spake not aright. No man repented him of his wickedness, saying, "What have I done?" Now, stopping right there, that's an important aspect, and it's a point that I've covered from this pulpit. I do not know how many times. But, the way of the evil man, most often times, per scripture, is not to come in and say, Hey, I'm going to work all forms of ungodliness. Hey, that looks dark. It looks evil. It looks wicked. That's what I'm going to promote. Rather, the way of the wicked man is to be pharisaical. Which means to be a hypocrite. And nine times out of ten, what they will do is they will come along, they will sin, and they will wipe their mouth and say, I've done no evil. Or they will erect an idol create an image of a God and bow down and worship that and say well that's not wickedness that's not idolatry they will justify it away time and time again and I stress importance here because we find this within Christian identity even certain people want to go out and they want to kill every non-white and as a result you see them manipulating scripture saying this is the will of Yahweh God but is it dear friends? Certain men may even come by once in a while and say, you know what, I want to have more than one wife. I want to justify the quote-unquote eat-anything doctrine. And they will do just like this. They'll say, what have I done? Have I done anything wrong? Now, of course, the reason many of our own people get away with this mentality is because we live in a flesh-based society. Jesus Christ confirmed it. He says, Yahweh God will judge you according to your heart, your works your fruits, whatever it is you do or desire within your mind. But he also added that man will judge you according to how you look. This is the way of the Pharisee, and we live in such a superficial society where a man can get away with murder, for example, if he has enough money, can hire the right lawyer who just so happens to know the judge, and will wear a suit and a tie and kiss a little hind end of a man judge. They can get away with murder in this country. Because that's how our quote-unquote justice system is designed, but not so with Yahweh God. There are no unsolved mysteries with God. Now, you may think that you've murdered and got away with it. You may think even that you have worshipped another God or engaged in idol worship and gotten away with it, but I assure you, Yahweh God knows all things. That's confirmed this morning. I hearkened and heard, but they didn't speak right. No man... Repented of his wickedness. No Adamite said, Hey, I am wicked. I repent, Yahweh God. And the importance of that, of course, is that is what's required. Admission of sin. At least acknowledging it before we can heal. But here in rebuilt Babylon, the average person says, Hey, I I be Christian. I'm not racist. I'm not like Pastor Visser or whatever they do. They play church. It's called churchianity. It's easy believism. It's whatever they want to hear, but it's not the hard truth of the word. That's how you know you're an Israelite, because the ancient Israelites were no different. Moses would come down off the mountain and he would say, You know, this is the will of God, the law of God. There's no debate as to who wrote it. Scripture says it's written with the very finger of Yahweh God. Yahweh God wrote the law. He gave the law. And even though it was handed down at the hands of angels, it is for you in every single generation. And the word of God confirms that. It says oftentimes that these shall be a perpetual memorial. An example that every generation should teach their children and raise them up to be in the right way. So, by extension, the society we live in today, which is post-hippie, post-generation X, wherever we are, in apostasy, we've slipped down so far. It's a result of that. The godless raising godless children. We should understand that in the Big Ten Commandments, one of the first laws with promises, honor thy mother and father, so your days shall be prolonged. In the land which Yahweh God gives you. Now obviously America is the land that Yahweh God gave our people. As is parts of Europe, Germany, etc. How can you say that? Well he blessed them. These white nations were superpowers of the world. That is until recently. Continuing on. Everyone turned to his course. As the horse rushes to battle. That's foolish. A horse doesn't do anything other than what he's told. And down here. The enemy has the unfortunate characteristic of playing both sides of the fence or burning the candle on both ends. What I'm saying with this is that the enemy will come along and they will say, well, you don't want to follow Christian identity. Then they will give you a quote-unquote illuminated ideal of what you should follow. Now, the so-called free-thinking person will come along and do exactly what the Jew wants them to think. They'll say, well, we all bleed red. Or, our country's so much better now that we've tolerated all of this filth, whatever it is, and they fancy themselves in their mind to be a free thinker. They say, I don't want to be like a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian identist and follow the law of God. But they will follow hook, line, and sinker, verbatim, the political correct line that the enemy oftentimes wants you to think. And while the apostate may believe and fancy themselves to be a free thinker, it does not disannul the fact that they're not. That they're not hearkening to the Word of God. That Yahweh God will be angry with them. So, what I'm pointing out with that is this, dear friends. Look at both angles. And do not be so quick to jump as to what you think is so illuminated. Because nine times out of ten... The enemy interjects their own conspiracy theories and their own alternative belief systems to obscure the truth. Truth is in the Word of God. A five-year-old child can read the Bible and come away with the belief that the devil is literal, that angels are real, that Jesus Christ was God, but leave it to man to come along and confuse these very simple elements. Paul says that the Jew will come along oftentimes and remove you from the simplicity that is in Christ. Simplicity. That's what the Word of God is. That's what Jesus Christ taught. It was so simple, it was the most complex thing that the masses had ever heard. And it's the same exact way today. Now, many times we cover these verses and these chapters from the Bible. We cover them, we release them on YouTube, or we'll put them up on alternative sources, and we get attacked by Christians who come along and they say, well, I, I don't agree with this particular non-canonized text. I don't agree with the way the Word is written. Don't you know man has manipulated the Word of God? Really? So to the Judeo-Christian, man is more powerful than God, and Yahweh God is not powerful enough to preserve His Word to reach and touch people today. Well, that's what they want you to believe, dear friends. So don't make that mistake. Do not draw your conclusions from the world. Rather, draw all your morals, all your beliefs from this word of God. That is the only way you will be able to survive. So just as the horse rushes into battle, just as the bird goes into the trap and knows that it's not for his life, as Solomon says in Proverbs, so also is the wicked man. What Jeremiah is saying here in a polite way is that the wicked man doesn't know he's wicked. In fact, most often times they think they're righteous. They are hypocrites indeed. But that does not stop the hypocrite from going out and saying, Hey, I'm Christian. I can speak for God. Hell, I can even condemn and attack pastors that are smarter than me. I know so much. Reality is, is don't judge. That is the domain of Yahweh God. That is His name. But the name of Lucifer is the accuser of our brethren, and my, how you will find so many people within Christian identity, and Christendom in general, who judge non-stop all the time. They'll say, Aunt Betty can't be saved. Aunt Betty was married before. They'll come along and say, well, Uncle Charles is a Jehovah's Witness. He can't make it into the kingdom. Yet, the decision of who goes to heaven and or hell, quote unquote, is Yahweh God. He is judge. So don't be like a horse running into the battle. Rather, be like an Israelite. Weigh all things. And don't be so quick to war. Verse 7 of Jeremiah chapter 8. Yea, the stork in the heaven knows her appointed times. And the turtle and the crane and the swallow observe the time of their coming. But my people know not the judgment of Yahweh. And Yahweh speaking. What Yahweh is saying here is pretty much what Jesus Christ said in the New Testament. Consider the ravens. Yahweh God feeds the birds. Yahweh God feeds every animal of the field. Yet it is the Israelites' unfortunate characteristic to come along and worry and say, What am I going to wear? What am I going to dress in? Where am I going to live? How am I going to pay this month's bills? If you believe in and trust Yahweh God, everything else will be added to you. But consider the irony behind this. A bird, a stork, swallows, etc. They know that Yahweh God feeds them. So as a result, they don't have to erect a false god. As a result, there's simply no debate as to what is real or what isn't. What law should be followed? Yahweh God has it fixed. For example, the law of gravity. The law of gravity itself will dictate that if a cat falls off of a high building, he will be harmed. The law of common sense dictates that if you run around and play on the freeway, you're going to be mauled down by a truck. This is fixed. This is the way Yahweh God designs it. Yahweh God designs it so that common sense should be hearkened unto. That little bit of moral fiber that Yahweh God breathed within every Adamite man, giving him, in essence, an extension of himself, which is a soul and a spirit, is what is overshadowed and ignored in today's society, or a godless society in general. They'll come along and they'll attempt to redefine morality. The Word of God says marriage is between a man and a woman. They'll come along and say marriage is all about love. Let gays get married. They'll come along and they'll say, Hey, we have a black president. What's wrong with you? It's After all, it's the year 2013, as if that means anything.
0: Thank you for listening to the Covenant People's Ministry. If you have enjoyed hearing the message of the Gospel and would like to be a part of our fellowship or receive monthly newsletters where you can order Pastor Visitor's CD sermons, be sure to write to us at CPM, Post Office Box 256, Brooks, Georgia 30205. You can also visit us on the web at covenantpeoplesministry.com where our extensive audio section features numerous broadcasts. You can easily listen to Pastor Visser by GodCast through your mobile audio device. Our phone number is 404-906-9009. Remember that Jesus Christ is our all and is in all that have been renewed in His Holy Spirit. So we hope that you will allow Him to lead your life and help to build His church so that when He returns, you will find faith upon this earth. We urge you to be a living example of Christian faith and apply His words to your lives. It's been a pleasure to have you with us. And now we will return to Pastor Visser's Bible study message.
1: Yeah, we know it's the year 2013. What's that got to do with God's unchangeable truth? No, His Word does not change. God cannot change. And as a result, the world acts like you should. So animals oftentimes have more common sense than human beings. And we can see this many times when I was growing up in Los Angeles every dog in the valley would go off. And you'd be standing there wondering, what's going on? Every dog is barking. And all of a sudden, boom, an earthquake would hit. Now how did they know? Perhaps that's because they're a little more in tune with Yahweh God than we are. We are fit for destruction. And we, just like the narrative and example given here this evening, are just like this. We're like horses who want to rush into battle, and we can't even see. Why? Because we have blinders on. We can't see to the right or the left. We can only see what's in front of us, what we desire. But oftentimes, what we desire is not what Yahweh God would have for you. Continuing on in verse 8 of Jeremiah 8. How do you say, Yahweh God asking Israel, How do you say, We are wise, and the law of Yahweh is with us? Question. Lo, certainly in vain made He it. The pen of the scribes is in vain. Now, that's a question. And it's a question from Yahweh God, but it's important. Understand what He's asking. God is asking the children of Israel, how can you come along and say, hey, the law is okay, but break the law like a hypocrite? How can you say, we're wise, we're so smart, we have wisdom after all, but the law was given in vain. Yahweh God didn't really mean what He meant. Well, we see this behavior in CI, most assuredly. We'll see people who may be correct on one rebuke, or they're right on another, but then they're so blatantly in violation of God's law when it comes to judging. This is why we need to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, and not be so quick to judge, dear friends. Why? Because the law says don't judge. And if you come along and you judge your brother without cause... You're saying that the pen of the scribes is in vain, that Yahweh God did not mean what He meant. I've already pointed it out in this evening's sermon and in last Sunday's pulpit sermon, that Yahweh God will always refer you back to His Word. He'll say, what does Isaiah say? This evening, what does Jeremiah say? Jeremiah is saying that many people out there will come along and say, hey, I follow the law. We're wise. We're so smart. I'm so educated. After all, don't you know, I translated my own Bible. I have tons of YouTube videos. I have thousands of views. As if that means something. As if that means you know what you're talking about. The only way that we, as the faithful remnant, are able to know whether a prophet knows what they're talking about or not is by confirming it within the Word of God. And that's exactly what's being said in verse 8. How can you say you're wise and the law of Yahweh with us when you're also saying in vain he made it, that the pen of the scribes was in vain, that it doesn't apply to me? The context here is those who come along and say, I've done no wickedness. I've done no evil, which is a majority of the Israelites. They justify, they self-justify. And more damaging than all of this, perhaps, is oftentimes the Adamites or the Israelites have the unfortunate characteristic of seeing themselves as perfect within their own eyes. We've already covered that. They say, I've done no evil. What's wrong with me? So Yahweh God says, how can you have that opinion, yet still profess to follow the law? Verse 9. The wise men are ashamed. They are dismayed and taken. Lo, they have rejected the word of Yahweh God, and what wisdom is in them? Question, question from God. There is no wisdom within anybody who rejects Yahweh God or His word. How can you say that? Well, the fear of Yahweh God is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of understanding. David writes within Psalms that a fool says in his heart there is no God. Why? Because you'd have to be a fool to think that. Only the fool thinks he knows everything. Listen to me, dear kinsfolk. There are people out there who know more about certain things than you do. If you're not familiar with cars, then obviously an auto mechanic knows more than you. If you're not familiar with PVC pipe, then obviously a plumber would know more about plumbing than you. But the way of the wicked man is to say, I know everything. I'm going to deny any form of instruction. And when we do that, we cut ourselves off from wisdom and understanding. This is why verse 9 says this. The wise men of Israel, they're ashamed. They're dismayed and taken. Why? Well, they rejected Yahweh's word. And as a result, what wisdom is within them? There is no wisdom. Yahweh, God is saying, is once again all or nothing. Does you no good to listen to a prophet to justify him and say, well, he's actually pretty smart when you're excusing all of his other violations of the law. Yet many of us do this. But what does God do? Because we, as a nation, and more specifically, our high priests, our pastors, our elders, reject the counsel of Yahweh God. Verse 10. Therefore will I, who? Yahweh God speaking. Therefore will I give their wives unto others, and their fields to them that shall inherit them. For everyone, from the least even unto the greatest, is given to covetousness. From the prophet, even unto the priest, every one deals falsely. Now, of course, we know this is historical, but overlaid here is today's modern apostate society. Because we see this same exact mentality, and we most assuredly see this behavior in the land. Adultery. Covetousness. And what should be pointed out about verse 10? is those who violate the 10th commandment, who covet their neighbor's goods, forfeit their inheritance. They forfeit whatever goods they themselves should have to their neighbor. Why? Because they coveted the wicked. Or they coveted in general. We're not to judge anybody, period, because you don't know what your neighbor's doing. Now, your neighbor could be rich. He could drive a Mercedes-Benz. He could have a seven-story house. But he could also, unbeknownst to you, be selling drugs to children and have to face Yahweh God. Do not desire the things of the wicked. For every one of them, from the least unto the greatest, is given unto covetousness. Is that you, dear listener? Or are you instantly saying, not me, I'm different. I have a different relationship with Yahweh God. I can sin and get by. I can judge somebody as a Jew. I can attack somebody's ministry. And then, so flippantly, go from bearing false witness and engaging in hypocrisy to handling the oracles of God. Now this is no different than the Judeo-Christian. They go home, they watch Monday night football, but every Sunday they're in that church pulpit, are they not? They're throwing $20 in the plate as it goes around. That's their form of penance. They believe that if they just throw a few dollars in there, God's going to forgive them for their transgressions. In fact, On YouTube and numerous places throughout the internet, there are tons of videos saying what is sin, but not a single one of them will go back to the Word of God, which confirms that sin is a transgression of the law. Here we're dealing with sin and context. And every priest, every prophet, every Israelite man, for the most part, prefers to deal falsely. Does that remind you of any era that we live in, dear friends? Verse 11 of Jeremiah chapter 8. For they, who the Israelites, those apostate, the rebellious, they have healed the herd of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Once again, peace, peace, when there is no peace. Now that's the era we live in right now, dear friends, where we have a Negro president who's sitting there saying, hey, we're bombing the hell out of Serbia. We're going to go ahead and knock out the Middle East. We're going to... Kill, all for the sake of peace. This is what we see within the Antifas, who will say, hey, we love everybody, we tolerate every homosexual, every Oreo cookie that enters this country, but we're not going to tolerate the haters. We're going to hate them. That's hypocrisy, but that's what they do. They'll come against, they'll attack me, they'll say, hey, Pastor, there's no Christian at all. Judging me yet seemingly will have no problem accepting the most apostate, the most hypocritical of persons. They have hurt the daughter of my people slightly. A little bit. Why? Because Yahweh God can intervene. And the way they do this is by saying, Peace, peace, when there is no peace. Is there peace within the land today, dear friends? No, there isn't. In fact, we've been at war for the last 12 years. A war, a needless war that we have nothing to do with. And all the while over the last decade through the media we've been talking about how it's in the interest of peace. It's in the interest of change. These are the enemies of Jesus Christ who are coming along saying peace, peace, there is no peace. Do you not think for a moment that this spiritually has an effect on our daughters, on our sons? Indeed, it does, because the average youth knows a hypocrite when they see it. The hypocrite doesn't know he's a hypocrite. And as a result of being hypocritical, and the unbelieving oftentimes even seeing that, well, they turn from the truth. They prefer the darkness over the lie. And I must confess, dear listener, that many times I don't blame people for saying, I don't want to be a Judeo-Christian. Look at their pastors. They're all infeminized. Look at what they teach in the Word of God, the traditions of men. They don't teach the Bible. And if they do, it's one verse, and they'll ramble on and on and give their own interpretation of what it says. They don't take it back to the Hebrew, the Greek, because they don't desire to know what it really means. In fact, when you debate them, and you do bring that up, they'll act as if there's something wrong with you for not accepting what is politically correct or modern. But that does not matter what the world thinks of you. The world is evil. The world is wicked. Why? Because the world will come along and lie. The world will say, hey, peace, 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 like John Lennon. Like every stinky hippie of the late 60s who had their two fingers up saying, peace, peace, let's go have a damn orgy. How do you like your utopia now when there's a hundred black-on-white rapes in this country per day? How do you like paying 4 or $5 a gallon? How do you like unemployment being doubled in the last four years? How do you like your peace when people are being murdered every single day and the average person, even like myself, who wakes up and goes and hears tons of news stories dealing with atrocities, mall shootings, bombings, beheadings, etc. They don't even care anymore. Why? They're so desensitized wasn't this way in the 80s. It sure wasn't that way in the 60s. If something happened, you heard about it because it was atrocious. And people were affected by it. For example, Manson. He brought an end to the summer of love. But what did Manson do in the late 60s that's not overlaid a 100 times per day now in the year 2013? That should show you how we have slipped into apostasy. So do not be deceived into thinking peace, peace when there is no peace. The only peace we will find is with Yahweh God as our head under His rule. Happiness truly is in America under God's law. But we, in our lifetime, dear listener, most likely, in our lifetime, will most likely never see an America under God's law. This is why Jesus Christ must intervene. So, last verse of this particular evening, verse 12 of Jeremiah chapter 8. Were they ashamed when they had committed abomination? Question. Question from Yahweh God. Nay. They were not all ashamed. Neither could they blush. Stopping right there. The Israelites couldn't blush. What's the significance of this term blush? Well, we know Adam means to turn ruddy, to turn red, meaning to show blood in the face, or to blush. Here we see the Israelites not Having the ability to blush. What's that mean? They don't know when they sin. They're not ashamed of their own iniquities anymore. And when a person or a nation is no longer ashamed of their many abominations, the first thing they will do is seek to justify it. And when they cannot justify it, the second thing they will seek to do is outlaw anyone who condemns it. Therefore, in Canada, if you say anything derogatory against a homosexual, even behind the church pulpit, you can be put in jail. Therefore, in Germany, if you speak out or even question that magical six million number, they can incarcerate you like they did Ernst Sundell, like they tried to do many other quote-unquote revisionists of our movement. Here Yahweh God, in verse 12 of Jeremiah chapter 8, asks a question. He says, were the Israelites ashamed when they committed all their abominations or iniquity, which means a violation of my law? He answers it and says, no, they weren't ashamed. Not a bit. Neither could they blush. Therefore, shall they fall among them that fall? In the time of their visitation shall they be cast down, saith Yahweh. In the time of their visitation, when is that? Well, that's at the second advent. And overlaid here is the parable of the tears and the wheat. When those angels are sent by Yahweh God to gather up those hairs, to remove them, to burn them, that is their quote-unquote time of visitation. Each and every one of us who happens to survive until the return of Yahshua Messiah, the quote-unquote time of our visitation will be when every knee bows to Yahshua Messiah. And here what Yahweh God is saying is at that time, When they're visited of Jesus Christ, or Yahweh by extension, what do they do? They'll be cast down. They'll be gathered just like those wicked tares. Now, what should be pointed out is we've only covered about 8 to 10 verses this evening. And overlaid here, in a prophecy given thousands of years ago, we see today's society. We see a society that lies to their children, their daughters, and their sons. They say, Peace, peace, and there is no peace. We see a society that says, Aren't I so wise? But yet they send their kids to public school where they're taught evolutionism as opposed to creationism or what the Word of God says. They say, Aren't we so smart? Isn't it great that societies evolved under Obama's regime, never understanding that what's going on in America and Europe today are abominations in his eyes? It's hastening and accelerating the coming judgment of Yahweh God. And I suppose, by extension, this is a good thing for the saints, for you and I, because we don't fear judgment day. We don't fear our God. We know Him. We know Him by name. We can boldly ask Him petitions. And we know that judgment day, the day of our visitation, is a day where we cash in our chips, where we get our rewards. But not so with the wicked man. The wicked man has to be taken, and destroyed. They have to be purged. They shall be cast down. Cast down how? Cast down like Satan. Cast down like the false prophet and those who follow and listen to the false prophet as per the book of Revelation. That's what hell was created for. For people to be cast down into. Satan was cast down to the sides of the pit. Satan's children will be cast down because they go around just like this. Their tears sown in amongst the wheat, they may even have white skin. They can come in through the line of Esau Edom by intermarrying with the Canaanites and say, We the Abraham's seed. We've never been in bondage to any man. They can appear as Christian. That's what a false Christian spends their time doing. So understand the way of the devil. That's exactly what he does. He doesn't come along and throw out there what's so ugly. Rather, he puts out there something that's very pretty. He tells you your life is going to be a bed of roses as soon as you accept Jesus Christ into your heart. Yet it's not that way, is it? The reason so many of our own children are backslidden, just like we read about this evening, is because of that aspect. They're lied to by a Judeo-Christian pastor who comes along and promises them that their life is going to be perfect, easy, and they're going to have no hardship. So, when they do their altar call, when they go down there and they bow their head or they take their little wafer on their tongue, they feel no change inward. Because there is no change. And then they say, God can't be real, and they will turn from the Word of God. That's exactly what the false prophets exist for. Dear friends, please do not be deceived by every person who comes along professing to be white, professing to be Christian, professing to be Christian identity or a great Greek expert. Each and every one of us should work out our own salvation with fear and trembling, as I've said countless times, and as is taught in the Word of God. So I want to thank you for joining me this Wednesday evening for this short little study into Jeremiah chapter 8. We covered verses 4 through 12. And what we see here is a prophecy given by Jeremiah, speaking for Yahweh God, and he's talking about the calamities that shall befall the inhabitants of Jerusalem. For them, meaning us, or many of our own people that is, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and they are not saved. Pay close attention, dear friends, this is extremely important, Jesus Christ taught it. He said, there will be many faithful people standing before him in that great white throne judgment. There will even be those on his left saying, we did miracles in your name, we cast out demons. I was Christian, I prayed to you every night. And Yeshua Messiah will retort by saying, depart from me, I never knew you. Now, would you want to spend your entire life praying to a God that never heard you because you couldn't follow his law? praying to a God that refused to hear you because you were disobedient and would rather engage in iniquity or stand in darkness, promoting abominations, or would you rather be told, enter in to the kingdom, my faithful servant. A servant is somebody who obeys their master. You simply will not enter into the coming kingdom of Yahweh God on earth as it is in heaven, down here, which is how and where it will be established if you are transgressing His law. It is all or nothing with Yahweh God. So, the conclusion, once again, fear God, keep His commandments, you'll do fine. Why? Because the fear or reverence of Yahweh God will lead you to act. That's the difference. James says faith without works is dead. Why would he say that? Because a lot of people out there say, hey, faith is all you need. All you got to do is believe in Jesus Christ. Well, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? The devils believe in trumble. Are they saved? Leave it to the Judeo-Christians, they will most likely tell you yes. So I want to thank you once again for joining me this Wednesday evening. A special thanks must go out at this time to my friend Archtype who has made for us numerous graphics, beautiful, high-quality graphics that we have now started to incorporate within YouTube videos and in blog posts. And in fact, many of us here in Brooks have some of his CPM wallpaper that he's put up. If you want some wallpaper with high quality graphics with CPM logos and our URL on it and everything, then please swing by our website. The address will be given here in about 30 seconds. And in our forums, under the Covenant People's Ministry subsection, there is a thread devoted to CPM Desktop Wallpaper. There's probably about 10 different versions, and there's many more coming. So if you want some, swing by, get yourself a graphic, put it on your desktop. That's what we have going on here. Also, a very special thanks to each and every one of you who has commented and or liked or followed us on YouTube. It's extremely important. In fact, I never thought I'd see the day where YouTube became a pretty viable wing of the ministry, yet it is. We receive about a 1,000 views on YouTube spread across the 300-so videos we have. But what that is, is it's opening another door for other people to come in and hear the truth. Then they hear our URL, they'll swing by the website, they'll visit. If you haven't already, please swing by the website, open up an account on our forums where you can have your questions answered, answer other people's questions, or just engage in fellowship. And I'm sorry, dear kinsfolk, if I sound a little muted, also this evening, but I had to go to the dentist today, and uh, huh, still have a little bit of Novocaine, so I'm a bit numb, so bear with me. But Sunday, we'll be back rolling, I just wanted to get this out to you, to drive home the point, obey Yahweh God, don't covet the wicked, and don't be deceived into thinking we're living a peaceful existence, when there is no peace in our land. So until Sunday morning, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is Pastor Visser once again from Brooks, Georgia, and the Covenant People's Ministry and Church, wishing you and yours great studies, war for Christ.
0: Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope that you have enjoyed studying with us. Remember the words that Christ has given, that wherever two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. We hope that you will gather together with us at the online ministry's website, which is covenantpeoplesministry.com, and share your Christian testimonies or ask questions and enjoy Biblical fellowship. You can also order CDs of Pastor Visser's Bible Studies and enjoy many other Christian resources through the church's website or write to Covenant Peoples Ministry, Post Office Box 256 256- Brooks, Georgia 30205 Our phone number is 404-906-9009 Thanks again, and may the love of Christ abide in you and yours forever and ever. Amen.